Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where I build worlds and Cody just makes things up. I'm Jordan. And I am Cody. So on to the show, Cody, this should be easy for you. What was last week? Uh, Outlaw Alabama. Okay. Ew, I was scared you were not going to Took get me it. a second. Okay, Cody, what is this week? This week is uh, Genre Worlds. Okay, and I have a couple things to say about mine when I inevitably go first. You want to roll for initiative? Uh, yeah, I can, oh, I can roll I might not initiative. be going first. <laughs> I'd be fine with going first. Yeah, I think you'll be going first. We are going to find out. Hurry up. Sorry, Hurry. I gotta get Just my dice Just have your up. dice next to you. What happened to that? What happened to the integrity of the show? I rolled a two. Oh my god, we rolled the same thing! What do we do? We have to re-roll then. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's why I, think we that's why I like, no, episode. I don't think I'm going to win. I rolled a two. Never mind. All right. What'd you roll? Oh, my God. I rolled a two again. No, you did. Yeah, I legitimately rolled a two a second oh. time. Yes. Well, I rolled a six. So. Wow. That was a that was sad. Okay. So my world this week um, requires some explanation. And there's, to me, okay. So you didn't write turns- a world. You just yellow card it like you do every single week. So what I have to say, because I almost forgot to say this, I am now invoking rules that I am going to hold you to, even though you're going to try to worm your way around it. After this week, next time you do a yellow card, you are going to have advantage. Uh, sorry, disadvantage on the following initiative week. Okay. Or if you if it's deemed a red card, you're going to have to pick that topic when we roll. Redo a previous world. You haven't. What if I get multiple red cards? Then we're then you're going to have to roll a D whatever in order to pick, to pick that. Yes. Okay. You know what's really great about these rules that you're making? You're not going to follow them like you said before no. the show started. Well, there is that. I can just choose not to do that thing that you just said. But there's also, um, you know, what it is is it just defines the consequence for my actions. It doesn't really say I can't do the thing. It just yeah, says that if I do it. I think after a while of you getting disadvantage every single week, you might learn a little something. I don't think I will. I don't think you will either, but at least that means I get to roll first anyways. Anyways. <laughs> Except for this so week where I would have just lost anyways after rolling twice. We rolled... I just um, rolled a four too. Man, I'm not using this a world, again. A world based on a genre. Mm-hmm. And I chose to do detective novels as my genre and the reason for that is the next game that i'm playing with the wandering gamer network is going to be run in city of mist it's set in the 20s and you never the invite me to play with you guys do you want to i've play I've, an hour i've literally week? asked you to like invite me to guests every now and then and you just said yeah sure and it never did well i mean i can i just hadn't thought of it <sighs> Next time I run a game, you can. Oh, I, I'm yeah, that's what that's literally serious, what you said I last time, buddy. I know. I just I forget these things. You have to remind me. You have to yeah, like I need to me. remind you to give a crap about me. Yes, that's how, that feels great. I mean, honestly, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. I just I forget things. They slip my mind. Anywho. Um. So what I wanted to do this week, which is yellow cardy, is one. The world is partially defined by the role playing game City of Mist. So. Okay. Credit to them, it, part of this world is City of Mist, because that has setting notes It will depend with how it. you write it. If you literally just don't write um, it and tell a story, that's not world building. That's the yellow card. Well, I mean, it's definitely a yellow card for like a whole bunch of reasons. Oh, um, but what I wanted to do is kind of write more of the backstory and the narration of the character that I'm going to be playing in that, because he it's like a mystery game, so he's a detective. So that's kind of what I wanted to do with this world. So I just wanted to first off say, whatever world building is here, part of it is just directly from City of Mist, so it's like not mine. But the other part of it is just kind of more of a character study of Detective Tanner, my City of Mist character. Okay. You look very upset. I'm not, no, just, no, sorry. I'm just blink staring off because I'm thinking about something. What you thinking about? Thinking about my world. Cody? Oh, you're just already not listening. No, to no, me. it's it's because <laughs> I have a feeling that you're gonna try to backlash and yellow card me. So I'm thinking. Uh I I I won't because you I don't I, care. Yes. I don't care. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Man, I'm glad I have a co-host who just doesn't care. I'm really I glad. I care about I'm what I that, wrote. I am glad that I picked. Well, that we work together and just like, hey, I'm gonna do what I want and oh, you do what you gosh. want, and it doesn't matter because no one gives a crap. Jordan, look, I have four sections. That's all you're getting out of me. 
Cody, I remember at the beginning where you used to follow your own rules. You you wrote half of these rules with me. It's not just me. I, I'm being a stickler to the rules that we came up together. I'm not just like trying to be like, I oh, think, Cody, you have to follow what I say. Like literally, you just don't follow what you say. I think I have a problem with authority. You're so the authority. Yeah, but regularly what happens is I tell myself to do something, and then I'm like, screw the man. I'm not you doing are that. the man. We yeah, are the men, we are the men in this situation. You can't screw well, the men because you're screwing yourself. Well, yeah, I mean you can't yeah, screw I mean, yourself, but anyways, we don't have to go down that road. <laughs> Sex joke. I should just like be quiet and let you vamp yourself into a terrible corner. <laughs> vamp myself into oblivion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How long did it take you to get to masturbation? There, two seconds. <laughs> Literally two seconds. It's just like, hey, you're jerking off now. <laughs> <laughs> okay you go i'm sorry great need, improv jordan anyways you, you you ready for my stuff yeah yeah <laughs> you, you just talked about masturbation then you're gonna say you ready for my stuff come on cody some of our minds aren't in the gutter i'm like <laughs> focused this on stuff writes itself oh also the voice for my character and this is going to be the usual? no 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 it's based on jake the snake johnson who is a wrestler <laughs> yes, that's fantastic okay i'm ready so just keep that in mind that this character is loosely based on jake dude the snake i like <laughs> a wax drum spins around a gramophone bitter smoke swirls around my miserable little office detective tanner is lettered on the door the drunk old man i paid to work smelled and swayed as he scraped off the old lettering then as he misspelled my and then shook as he misspelled my name the result is you can still see laura ghost insurance on my door faintly underneath of my name <clears throat> it has been crook <clears throat> oh my god cody sorry oh my under my name that has been penned crooked and haunting well crooked and haunting about sums up this place Look out my window and see a vista that's just as miserable as my own office. Just gray. Heavy fog is settled on my city. People on the force used to say that I was overly poetical, but seems like an app just <clears throat> but seems like an app dressing for the town. Even when the sun is shining, the streets are bare and hidden and decayed. That used to be all I thought it was. I just assumed it was rose-colored glasses that made me think I used to see the sun more often. I know better now. The city's always been mean, even before they started replacing all the old gas lamps with electric. Even before cars choked our streets. Even when I was a kid. The city was a hard place. I used to just blame it on all those tall, big buildings. It ain't natural, I thought, to always be closed in. That's what I blamed as I consoled people beaten in their own homes and parents of murdered kids. Being in the police in a city like this can take pieces off of you, and it's worse for people who have to find the truth and who won't arrest someone just for looking guilty or being able to make it stick in court. Being a cop was hard for me, is what I'm saying. And then it happened. I got stabbed on the job. Well, great, at least I knew who was guilty. But the fight cost me an arm, and the force put me on a desk and gave me a nice medal. I never saw that desk. I got out of there as quick. <clears throat> I got out of the hospital quick and spent all I had to rent this office. See, ever since I got stabbed, something has changed. I see through the fog now. It's more than just hard feelings killing people, and I'm fixing to put a stop to that. So, um, again, some of this is what? Okay, first, can I say, will you do me a favor and re huh. say this? The snake will always bite back. Why? Because that's a oh. <laughs> Jake the Snake quote. <laughs> no. Say it. No. So say the way it. I came up with that, nope. though. Say it. I, no, you, have, you can't. You have to say it. I was trying to come up with a with a voice for the character that I already made, and then I watched a Jake the Snake interview with Joe Rogan. You don't like snakes. And I you're was like mimicking a dude who constantly was carrying around a bunch of snakes. 
Yeah, and he hated snakes. <laughs> he was terrified of them. He did not like them at all. Then why was um, that your gimmick? Because he thought it was... The, the reason is because there was a football player called the Snake. Oh. And he went, I want to be like that football player, so I'll be called Jake the Snake. And then they made him carry and a then they gave him a snake every time he was And then up. he had to carry it around. He just had to like, Literally, it. every really picture sad. of this dude is him holding a snake. <laughs> yeah. Um... So I was trying to think of a, a voice for this old, like, retired, beat-up detective. And I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, there we go. I found it. Um, so the setting of this game that I'm going to be playing. Um, so City of Mist, it's kind of vague, like, time period and all that. In this case, our game is going to be set in the 20s. So that's where, like, talking about the sudden presence of electrical lights and cars. This is kind of roaring 20s-ish time. Um, in a metropolitan area and it's not really specifically defined which one, but, um, supernatural stuff happens in the city and like the character that I'm going to be playing is a detective in said city who's trying to solve like supernatural mysteries. So in this case, he's like a private detective that used to be a cop, but the city itself is actually like covered in a blanket of mist all the time. Yeah, hence the city of the mist. City of mist. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, um, I'm really glad you're doing a lot of this world building. It's so creative. I would have never thought of this. I'm just explaining some of the you background. You are the man. Oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, so that that that's uh, kind of the geography of the world as it is, which it's like really not a world because it's legitimately never going to go outside of a city. So that's I mean, the geography of the city. Your world can be like specifically a city, I think. We've done that yeah. before. So why are we now just pointing this out? No, I'm just okay. saying in this yeah. case that that is how it is. So, okay. So for my genre, the base. So, you know what? I'll tell the whole story of this. So last week I was a little hyped up and just couldn't sleep at all. So I just came up with this idea because it's like, I usually when doing this, I'll pick like fantasy or magic or I'll go with horror. And like, I've done all of these like extensively throughout the show's runtime. So I'm like, I want to do something new. So I, first thing I thought, I was like, okay, well with horror, could I do anything special or specific with that? And I'm like, oh, well maybe there's like the psychological thrill or psychological horror. I was like, eh, don't really want to do that. But then I thought, hey, how about do a psychological drama? But what does that entail? And so the psychological drama genre is pretty much something from like the point of view and like deals deeply with how a character thinks, feels, and acts. And so I want to do that, but I'm like, but how can I do that on a show world building? Because like you can't just have it be someone's thoughts throughout. And so the base genre I went with was surrealism or surreal. And I kind of shape that as I go through um, my little thing. So this is done in a story format, but it is world building because I literally build a world throughout, Cody. Um, and not just say, hey, it's City of Mist. And also... <laughs> <laughs> city of mist is not a specific setting it just sets some of the ground it's a city of mist also i just want to plug them as hard as yeah. i can like it's yeah a really i know you cool want to plug them pretty hard out. cody so, yes yes that was a sex show cody i really hope i'm just not gonna end up naming having to name this episode sex joke because that's where this is going um okay so um the first part okay yeah so the first part i'm there is like a little lead into the actual world building. But the first part comes from Vertech Industries, Earth Year 4036, from Dr. Mahato Tachkoma. I have been set in charge of a new project. As the world fills up and degrades, the call to integrate into a virtual reality grows ever louder. But unfortunately, creating these worlds is near impossible and is something that, not, that cannot just be designed by machines. Recently, I have made a breakthrough. There are four of them. Four extraordinary children whose brain power is far greater than any human or telepath in history. But with such great power comes a negative effect. Their human bodies are shutting down and soon they will be confined to their own bodies only able to use their mental prowess. Most of the children now are confined to wheelchairs or hospital beds. I can't do anything to fix their problems, but I can give them new hope while researching at the same time. I will connect them to a blank canvas reality and give them the power to create a world that they may live in. No longer constrained by their bodies, they will be able to shape reality as they see fit. 
From the outside, I will watch and monitor the process with the hope that we can use their powers to shape a world with, worth integrating into. With this new world, humanity will be changed for the better. We can escape from our own shortcomings and live in a perfect world. The following are journals from Indrani Selfie, the third child, age 15. And also, before you make a rude comment, Selfie is spelled S-E-L-P-H-I-E. Because that's an actual you know, I name. I don't even have to be on this podcast. Yeah, I know. I can just let you hate on I'm yourself. I'm hating on you. Anyways, Dr. Tachkoma said he would take me away from the pain that confined me to a wheelchair, and he would set me free. I will be allowed to create, to destroy, to shape an entire world whichever way I saw fit. And he would watch me from outside of the machine. But as I sat there in front of this blank white canvas, surrounded by nothingness, I wonder if I could truly create. Silence surrounded me and threatened to swallow me whole, but I sat there still and unmoving, feeling absolutely nothing. I was no longer in pain, but I was as empty as the world in front of me. After sitting there for a while, the thoughts of loneliness and sadness grew ever louder, so I decided to take a step before I was lost to the madness. My first step was on solid ground. It was created as I walked. I felt the sensation of sand-like soil being formed as I took each step. This would be my own world. I spread out the land in front of me as far as I could see and feel. But I thought to myself, why create what I already knew? This world did not need to be a sphere or a shape that could be defined by the laws that existed outside my mind. So I created an expanse, a great wide open world that would stretch far and wide in front of me. It would only reach an end if I were ever to stop thinking. Then I thought, what would my next steps be? The ground was flat, and the soil was a gray sand that kicked up dust every time I took a step. The sky in front of me was a smoky gray-green that flowed as if it were a cloud. It was empty and quiet, but anything was better than that harsh white nothingness. I created a slight wind that would blow and kick up dust to quell the never-ending silence and keep me company with quiet white noise. But why stop there? Why make a dull and quiet world? So I created hills and mountains that will reach into my sky. I stretched the mountain from the ground to touch the sky like the pictures I remembered from my childhood. But why stop? Why stop at something I could remember? I stretched the mountain even further up. I shaped other peaks across its base like a thorny crown. I called it Mount Mahato. Mahato stretched far past human imagination and touched the limits of my sky. Its peak turned to an icy tundra, but I hate the cold. I remember the icy winters that chilled me to my bones back in reality. So I took away the feeling of cold, but left the snow, left the fun. Nothing makes me smile more than breathing and seeing my own breath. I stayed there for a while, building snowmen and shaping snow angels in the strawberry pink snow. Mount Mahato became my favorite place to visit, but still up so high there was nothingness. To remedy this, I created a black backdrop that would be my other outer space and filled it with lights of all colors like a Christmas tree. Then to cover up the black abyss, I turned my dull green smoky sky into a thick milky blue blanket with neutral colored clouds to not take away from the glowing lights above. Mahato's peak was hidden by the sky. The milky blue spread out under its peak like an endless ocean. I loved to watch the sky part as I flew back down to the ground. I then remembered water. My planet needed water or else it would be just a dry, rocky, boring dust cloud. So I created veins of rivers that flowed above the, and below the ground. They stretched all across my world through caves, up hills, down waterfalls, and all the way up to the mountain's peaks. The rivers flowed where I wanted, and the water pulled into lakes and ponds. These rivers would be wide or thin, deep or shallow, but I didn't want the waters to just be confined to the ground where the rivers flowed, so I allowed the water to come up to where it wanted. The water would flow into droplets up in the air, and the droplets would defy gravity, as of course I created the rules of this land. I looked around and was excited about what I had made. I was never able to move so freely back in reality. I could run and jump, fly and play with anything I wanted to anywhere. This was a dream, but when I heard Dr. Tachikoma's voice, it snapped me out of my creative trance. He wanted to talk to me, so I met him on top of Mount Mahato. And that's my first part. I like Surrealism. that so far. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, kind of, but I, I like the kind of creation story yeah. almost. The way you described that well, was really you. good. Like it was, it was a, it was a good description of landscape. Try it. 
Which I think is hard to do because I suck at it and don't. Clearly, like Cody, you didn't have to say that. Everybody who has ever listened to this podcast knows you don't like the built world. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I always dog on you so hard, dude. <laughs> no, it's fine. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, I know. I cry myself to sleep. It's all right, but it's not because of you. I'm going to enjoy listening to the story you wrote, but I can't wait till you build a world. I do that sometimes. There's times when I get back to my roots and build a world. It's just that's not what it was this time, you know. Anyways, case one. This was my first real case. Sure, I I tracked down a spouse cheating and seen enough to make me glad I never married. Anyway, I was sitting in my office and she walked in. And I'm not blind. She was stunning, but tragic. She looked like a painting or a statue of pain. Her eyes were shining like nickels, tears just about to fall. I stood to start talking, but before I got a word out, she went straight into it. Told me her name was Mildred Hunts. Husband had left her for a younger woman, but she said he he was a good man. He didn't divorce her. He set her up with a nice house and paid for her way and moved on with his life. Well, he moved on to his grave. She didn't buy the cause of death that the police had not found yet. So, here she was looking for a tender heart to find out what had happened to her man. Broke my heart. Not that she was in mourning, but that even after all, that even after that wretched husband of hers had chucked her, she was still trying to defend his memory. Good man, to me he sounded like an overgrown child. She turned, and as she walked into the hallway, she briefly looked back at me, her eyes still shining. I couldn't look away. I knew she needed help, and no tears fell from her eyes before she walked out. Well, this was more drama than usual, but it did seem up my alley. First thing I did was drop a line to a good man whose life I'd saved a few times. Sergeant Hanley! Tough kid! Not his fault, he was born small and to a well-to-do family. When he joined up with the force, he was tender as a newborn calf. Now all five feet of him is cut from iron. I asked him about the case, he seemed confused, he had heard of it for sure, but they had a cause of death. Lack of blood, he had been drained, they just had no idea how. No evidence, no leads. They were surprised to hear about the mistress since it was the wife that had called in the murder. Hours and days drug by and I would meet with Miss Han- Miss Hunts frequently. Each time her eyes haunted me. A lower man than me might have said that it was the cut of their dress or her legs that stuck with me. But that was not so. It was the eyes. They were always shining, moments from tears. But either way, I began to think of her fondly kind as she was. That was the good part of my days. The bad part was running down all the contacts I had made in the mist. You ever try to interrogate a troll under a bridge in the fog, alone, knowing you had no backup? Cause I did. I kept chasing and chasing until finally I found someone scared to talk to me. Told me there was only one thing that could do that, a succubus. And he only knew of one. I got the address and a warning. I just smiled. What could this thing do to me that life hadn't already done tenfold times already? I slide into my Model A and ride through the fog to what I assume is a showdown. Walking up the stairs of a tenement in total darkness, I find the right door. I feel something different. After 60 years, kicking down a door should have been hard. But that door split in half like it was made of paper. I only saw the eyes. Like two bright silver dollars that cut into me. And I felt myself start to die. I knew. I knew I should look away. But first I asked those bright eyes in the dark a question. I asked if they had killed Mr. Hunts. I could feel the monster about to lie to me, but then... It happened. I flexed a muscle I didn't know I had, and I pushed truth out of the creature. I heard the most beautiful voice I've ever heard say new. Say no. (laughs) Say new. (laughs) I knew it was... (laughs) Say new. And I knew it wasn't lying. I left and decided I needed to meet with Mrs. Hunt. 
I drove to her house sick. I knew what was coming. I walked into her lavished lair, and there she was waiting for me. She wanted to know if I had found who did it. I looked her in her all-too-beautiful silver eyes and asked a simple question. Did you want me to find that other woman and kill her for your crime? Then I pushed. Her eyes flashed like a magnesium bulb. Her voice songed out, yes. I did not ask why. Did not much matter after that. I had never fought a creature of the mist before, but something changed in me. While I was fighting, I felt light on my feet. Euphoric. Possessed. Missing my left arm made it hard to block, but that didn't matter much. Each hit she landed on me made my blood, my blood boil hotter. I darn near screamed with joy. The fight just took me. When it was over, Mrs. Hunts dissolved back into the mist that she had come from. It was more than just being able to see creatures in the mist. Something woke in me. Something true and brutal. That is my second section. Cody, I have said this before, and I will say it again. If you want to just write a story, we could do a story episode. Yeah, but I don't always know when I'm going to write a story. Every week, Cody, every week is when you want to write a story. It's not every week. It's been the last two weeks. I'm pretty sure three weeks ago I did a regular one. One out of like every five, Cody. If you want to write a story, just so what's the flora and fauna like in this world, Cody? Jordan, we never I do, do flora, flora and fauna. fauna every week. No, you do I not. I talked about how they hunt deer and stuff last week at Outlaw Alabama. I talk about oh the monstrosities gosh. the week before. Tell me, Cody. I never do flora and fauna. Please tell me. Please Jordan, tell me. Please have tell both. me I never do flora and fauna. Oh. Jordan, we have both unanimously Okay, then Cody, okay, the Cody I want to hear about society Florida history Florida. and society current in the next two sections. And not, I want to hear society huh? history and current in the next two sections. You actually do get a little bit if you think about it. Oh, surprise, surprise. It's your turn, though. You can God, go. I, I know, I know, and I hate you so or much. you can just be a critic, you know? I, yeah, I... That's that's literally my only job on this show, is to be... Oh, is to run the show myself and to be a critic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much salt, Jordan. Oh my gosh, man. Anyways, this flora and fauna section that I wrote, first part comes from Mahato um, Tachikoma again. Idrani's selfie is different from the others. While the other children designed the worlds based on their hometowns or things they had seen in reality, selfie created something unique, something beautiful. But her world would not be one that we would be able to m- migrate into. It was far too unstable. She never left the machine to return to the real world like the other children had as well. Some of the doctors saw this as isolation, but I saw it another way. Having been confined to a wheelchair for most of her life due to her powers degrading her body, she had forgotten what it felt like to be free in the world. I felt bad for her, so instead of chastising for creating this surreal majesty, I cut her loose from the program. She would be allowed to design and create at her own will, ignoring the rest of the project's need. Andrani's selfie would be truly free, but something worried me about her. Despite her world being beautiful, beautifully surreal, there was something off about it, something dark, something sad. Her Mount Mahato was a dark thorny crown, and her rivers twisted and wove through the land seemingly without end. To the others and I, this seemed to spin a tale of selfie being conflicted or directionless. Despite the colors and the geography, her world was empty. Most of the other children had created animals and plants to accompany them, but not Selfie. So after a month or so, in the reality, I decided to visit her at top of her mountain. Andrani Selfie. Dr. Tachikoma told me a lot of stuff up there at the top. I was no longer part of the virtual program, but still allowed to stay and create as I saw fit. This world was mine just for me. No one could tell me what to do, and no one could take this from me. But then he asked me a question I did not quite understand, nor could I answer. Selfie, are you happy? I froze. I didn't quite get why he was asking me this. So as an act of young defiance, one that I could never have pulled off in reality, I jumped from the mountain's peak and began to run back down to my world, creating along the way. Flowers sprouted up with every step and spread out all across the ground as I walked. They were were all different sizes, shapes, and colors. Some were based off of a reality I had seen before, while others were anything I could possibly imagine. 
Not one flower needed to be natural. They were rainbows and starlights in glowing or shining. They were anything I could think of in the moment, and they were absolutely beautiful. They sprouted up everywhere and covered the land. They lined the rivers and clustered at the base of the mountain. To fill in the space between, I made a blue shimmering grass. But I wanted more. I created trees, but not like any tree I had ever seen. I wove vines together into thick stalks, and their branches reached out far. Instead of leaves, I covered these in flowers and fruits. They only continued to fill in this world with color and beauty. But what Dr. Tachikoma had asked stuck in my head. It nagged at me and prodded me till I knew what this feeling of unease was. I was lonely. I was alone. There was no one in this world but me. Nothing to interact with but the plants and the trees. I sat and thought for a while, that uneasiness filling me with dread until I decided my next steps. I would create a companion. Unlike the myths and legends, I didn't form anything from the ground or breathe life into an object. I just simply thought about it, and then it was there. A large brown Shiba Inu stood in front of me. He tilted his head and he let out a cute yip. Together we ran and played throughout my world as I created more animals so we would never be lonely. I made dogs of all sizes and types. I even made dogs with wings to act as the birds, but then I didn't want to just make dogs. I created giant fluffy rabbits, dancing squirrels, armadillo chipmunks, and other furry animals. I made deer and moose whose fur was grass and antlers were tree branches covered in flower petals. I made fish that shimmered and would jump and glide through the rising droplets. Manta rays soared majestically through the sky and created a peaceful ambience. Frogs hopped and glided through the wind. Anything I could think of, I created. They all played together and sang with joy, but despite all this, I still felt alone. I was not like the animals. I was human, and in this sense, I was a creator. They could not understand me or what I felt, as they were not like me, and I could not understand them. They could only show their emotions through outwardly gestures. To me, making them talk felt unnatural. They wanted to play and be with each other, but I couldn't keep up, and neither side knew what I was missing. I could make them understand with my powers, make them feel empathy for me, but that wouldn't be fair to them. That would change who they were and ruin their fun. It was not fair for me to dictate how something else felt, so I left them alone. I allowed them to spread amongst the world and enjoy their lives, but still I was looking for something. What would be my next steps? I stopped, sat against a tall rainbow tree, and thought, was I happy? And that's the end of my second part. I like that. Oh, look. I built flora and fauna. Okay. Man, that must be hard to do. Oh, my gosh. You did a little bit of flora and fauna. A little bit of flora and fauna. I literally built the whole world's flora I am fauna. just saying, that is the thing that we skip most often. <laughs> uh, all right. You ready for my next section? Yes. Cool. <clears throat> Sorry. Mel texted me. No, it's cool. This one's called Case 2 Museum Blues. At this point, I had started fighting. It helped. Otherwise, I would start to itch. I needed to swing at something, and I would find excuses. Check it out. That sentence doesn't go there. My bad. It just sketched that whole thing. Is that in character? No. Or no? I just messed okay. up. You, you kept the voice so you could confuse the heck out of I me. I do that. A little bit on purpose. This is the actual start. Sorry, I like wrote that sentence and then was like, oh, I want to move that down. And instead of cut and pasting it lower, I copy and pasted it lower. I, I literally just sat there like staring like, wait, are you talking to me or are you reading your story? Sorry. Word got out that I could help solve some of those unsolvable problems. That's how I got the museum job. The work sucked, but it taught me some hard lessons. By this point, I had started fighting. It helped. Otherwise, I would start to itch. I needed to swing at something, and I would find excuses. So I decided to learn a little money on it. Honest work, it was. Any young, strong man would take one look at me, and he would bet his life savings he could beat up this old guy. Just had to be careful not to kill anyone, and I always gave my opponent half of my winnings, so it felt fear. I was about to go off for a fight when a fancy man strolls into my office, all upstanding and dignified. Made me squirm a little bit, but these rich types pay the bills. 
So I was nice, offered him a seat and burnt coffee. He took the seat, at least. He tells me all about these priceless artifacts that are going missing. No one knows how. Security guard reports seeing nothing, but says he feels unsafe and uneasy while there at night. But yet, each morning, the museum's destroyed stuff is missing. So I quote him double for danger and tell him I'll take the night shift. So there I am, missing my fight, wanting to punch something. I was hoping for giants or wolves or titans, you know, anything to break the monotony. And I got my wish. Around 3 a.m., the locked door at the front of the museum just pushed open, metal breaking like fragile bones. I didn't attack all at once. I went on the hunt. I see a troop of these lurching, hunched creatures smash through the museum. Each one of them must have been ten feet tall, and there were five of these things. All I saw in that moment was the potential for a fight. But I wanted to see him commit the crime first. I wait. They don't trash the museum with intent exactly. They're just too big and they leave a mess. They push through to storage and start grabbing all manner of old staves and spears and other artifacts. I should have noticed that these artifacts matched their clothes and fit in their hands. I should have seen their faces, but all I saw was crime, and I just started running. The melee was horrible. Those things bled a sort of brown, muddy stuff, and I was slick with it before long. I was unarmed and unarmored, but I didn't care. Each time one of those things would slam a club into me, I would grow more frenzied. I was fighting one-on-one with one of those lurching muddy things, his hair all gray and matted and skin like boiled leather. But I was winning, there was no doubt in my mind. That's when I got impaled by a spear about as big around as a can of beans and about that sharp. So your character's dead. Can I finish my little bit here? Yeah, you can finish your bit. Cool. It's a bit. I was dead. I knew I was dead, and I should have been. I turned around, and I didn't see a monster with a spear impaling me. Instead, I saw a Viking floating on a cloud. He had one arm and just stared at me with angry, burning eyes. They reminded me of how my father would look at me when, well, they broke my heart. The vision was gone and all the pain and anger came back. I fell to a knee for a moment, overcome. And then all that pain turned into rage. A rage I cannot describe. I felt a sick feeling of my skin rending open where my arm should have been and a bone growing right out of me. I screamed, not just in pain, but horror, as an axe made from my own bones grew out of my arm. I reached over and snapped it off. As soon as I did, I felt fine. Who cares if I was stabbed? Didn't matter none. I was armed, and there was a champion that needed killing in front of me. I set to work, spinning and chopping, and won. I knocked the beast to the ground and raised my axe above my head. But before I could strike, I heard a croaking voice. Please, it said. I looked over and saw the leathery grain creature staring at me with eyes full of fear. Please, not my son, he said, over and over and over again. I didn't want to stop. I wanted to kill the beast that had challenged me. But it just didn't feel just. I said that sentence weird. Then I snapped out of it. I saw the details I missed. I saw, a re- I saw a family retaking items that had been stolen, and I saw their blood on my hands. I dropped the axe. It vanished into the mist that was creeping in all around me. I dropped to my knees. I want to say that gray old beast said something to me, but it didn't. He just walked past me, looked down, and nodded. That is the end of section three. Hello and welcome to Story Shop, the podcast where Cody tells stories and Jordan is forced to listen. I am Jordan. There's actual world building in there if you pay attention. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 really. Okay. Tell me, what's the world building, Cody? Well, so 
What's there's the, the story, Wishbone? There's the relevance of mundane people to the mist. They can see the effects, but they can't see the actual creatures. But then there's also the relationship of what would functionally be a player character to the creatures of the mist, which is one that there is a danger in assuming hostility. Um, also, this was meant to indicate that um, kind of the player characters are given a certain amount of like magical ability, but that mm-hmm. is in tension that like starts to act on their emotions and on their like characteristics, like on their personality. So there's yeah. a friction there between the person that they might want to be and the person that their powers are driving them to be. Um, okay. So that's kind of what this is meant to indicate is that in this world, there's that friction for using powers. Like one of the things that my player character and you find out like who he is in the last section, one of the things about him is like aptitude in battle and that like rage drives him, but there's a cost to that. So there's like a balancing act that has to be made there. Okay, I like it. No, you don't now have to lie. Much... It's fine. No, it's I fine. actually do. I do. Oh my god, I do like it. So, how much was was yours, and how much of that is just City of Mist? Um, all the character stuff is me. It's how I'm deciding to make the character. The world stuff in the game, I believe, it is canonical that normal people cannot see creatures of the mist. I don't know that there is a specific relationship written in between the player characters and creatures of the mist. I like to think about it as there being ambiguity, like being a mist creature is not necessarily evil. It's just different. Um, Also, I don't really know if there are full-blown monsters technically in city of mist but i like to play it that way um so that's kind of how i'm writing this as if Who's he is solving running this one by the zach's way zach's gonna be running this i ran it before so when i ran it before oh, okay. well when i ran it before the game wasn't done yet we were playing like a pre-release version of it yeah um so there was less to go on there so i filled in a lot of the gaps myself with what i liked um, so that's kind of what I've done here is there are gaps and I don't know how Zach's going to be running this yet, but as I imagine detective Tanner and him becoming, um, active in like the supernatural world, <laughs> some of that is stumbling and assuming everything is monsters while also not wanting to like fully give in to impulses that come with him having powers. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the detective Tanner stuff. That is all original. Also, there's like not really specifically museums that curate magical items, but I imagine there would be in my head. So that's there, you know. Okay. No, I like, I like it. I like the world building. I hate that you just built the story. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate your creativity is what I'm trying to say in a less dickish way. (laughs) You you nailed it. It really came across that way. You know, I appreciate your creativity. I, I just, am glad it you just do. kills me every like it's like yeah so i could have actually like write a world it's like dude what the heck are we I, even here for if we don't write worlds you know for writing yes it's just this slowly like actually just becoming a creative writing podcast it's like all right anyways my society history um continuing from the thoughts of Adrani selfie i sat there and did something i did not think was possible I created a being who was, and at the same time, was not me. She looked like me, she sounded like me, she thought like me, she moved like me, but she wasn't me. We laughed together by having the same sense of humor that was easy to do. From that day, we traveled together, exploring the world, petting the animals, picking fruits, eating, laughing, playing. We were like best friends from the very start, but I couldn't help but feel off. She did not have the same past or the memories of the outside world that I had, so could she really relate to me? Was I jealous of her? She had a confidence that I lacked, an air to her that I did not, sorry, an air to her that did not care about the loneliness or the burden of creation and seemed to carry herself with pride. I could never be her even though I was her. And slowly we drifted apart. Is that what friends were supposed to be? People who got along but could never truly understand each other. Was the friendship that we had superficial or was it deeper? 
Could it ever be deeper than just laughing and playing? Even though she said she understood, how could she? She was not me, even though she was me. After a bit of a rocky path, we split apart. I went my own way, and she went hers. I created friends for her so she could continue to laugh and play. I did not want her to feel sad, as I still care deeply for her. She said she would miss me and never stop thinking about me, but she had her new friends. Together they went off and created their own community using the mater uh, materials I had previously created. They lived in their treehouses, protected by their guard deer. The other Adrani selfie created sculptures and quilts using flowers, and at least from what I could tell, they were happy. Maybe what I was missing was a family. I was in this virtual reality, away from my own family. Not that they were ever too present. When I got sick, I was pretty much alone with the doctors. So in this world, I created for myself, I created a mom, a dad, and a younger brother. We got along most days, despite the scolding and occasional fights, and they were always caring. They were always watching out for each other and me. They wanted to help cultivate and grow my happiness. So we created a small home under a, a great starlight tree and spent months together. We would cook, clean, and garden together. I learned things from them and they from me, but, it's still, but I still felt empty. I had days when I did not feel happy. Did they truly love me as their daughter? They were not real, but were their feelings. Was their love true, or was it some manufactured obligation based on a perceived blood relation? Wasn't that what my real family was? Only there for me out of an obligation based on DNA? When things got bad, they left me in the care of others. How was this any different? How did I know this new family wouldn't get bored of me and simply move on? I felt estranged and left out, so I left them, to allow them to continue to grow and care for each other. Why should my presence take away from their lives? I created a few other families so they would not be on their own and could start a community. They built a small village under the great starlight tree north of Mount Mahato, but lived mostly outside. It was a beautifully small and quaint place where I could hear the laughter and see the children play from my perch on the mountain. But I truly felt that I did not belong. Could it be that what I needed wasn't familial love or friendship? Maybe what I needed was a rival. So I created an enemy for myself. Someone who would always be against me, always opposite. Someone who would disagree and challenge me. From their creation, they fought me. We both clashed, using different weapons that we could create. We flew all around my world like superheroes, fighting and yelling at one another. When we weren't physically fighting, we were arguing or debating our views. They did indeed challenge me, and in that moment, I was happy. But the more we fought, the closer I grew to my enemy. I wanted to know what made them tick, why they always saw the ugly side through all the beauty. I wanted to dive into the psychology behind why they made these choices. I wanted to understand them. But that's not what they wanted. They wanted to clash and fight. They wanted to disagree, no matter how close I got to them. I felt I would never truly understand them, nor would they understand me. So again, I left them alone. But in my absence, I created for them people who saw things the same way and people who would disagree. Together those groups would always challenge each other, and together they personally grew. They went off to live in the Valley of Roses and created homes inside the cliff faces but I was alone. Through these three experiences, I felt that I would always be alone. Yes, I created this world, and it was mine to cultivate, but I had no place in it. The people had each other and truly had no need for me. So I left, disheartened, and climbed back up to the top of Mount Mahato along the river. When I made it to the top, I walked across the lake there and sat on top of the water. I built walls around me and shelled myself off from the world outside. And that is society history. Jordan, Jordan, I don't know how to tell you this. You have a you have a weird relationship with deities. Um, so I was gonna say this at the very end, but this this world was this is one that I thought a lot about mostly that night. But I, I I came up with this world literally last Thursday night when I was just sitting in bed staring at the ceiling. And this is an oddly personal, especially this last section is an oddly personal section. Um, something that does come from a lot of like different ways that I think and feel. And one of the jokes that I told in creating this, like when I was talking to friends about creating this, is like, this is just called Idrani Selfie's Depression Quest. Because yeah. it is kind of the 
journey through depressive thoughts and how depression interacts with the world around her. And like I said, I wanted to create a psychological drama, but I also wanted to create a world that I myself could relate to. And I do deeply relate to this world. Yeah, so. no, it comes across. It's good. <sighs> Sorry. It's, it's very weird because I feel extremely vulnerable writing and reading this out loud on something I'm going to release to public. No, but... I get you. But I mean, it's I think it's better for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it. It's, 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 it's just very weird because I am definitely wearing my heart directly on my sleeve right now. No, but it's really good, though. It's it's very well done. Uh, all right, you ready? Yes. After the museum, I considered quitting. I was out of control. I didn't want to fight anymore. It had just gone too far. That's when she came in. I was staring down at a mug of coffee that had become mostly whiskey. When someone just sits down in the chair across from me, maybe 14 years old, told her I was closed for business. I was done. She just stared unblinking. She asked me if I've met my other side yet. I just kept looking down. She says, you must be a Norse or something like that, a warrior god. Seen any big bearded fellers watching over you lately? Started seeing creatures, have ya? Tells me that she'd found the golems I had roughed up and that they're mostly okay. I had heard them bad, but they all managed to walk off. She just sighs and leaves me an envelope. I open it. It has a case written on it. Missing parents, it says. They've been gone for weeks. Tells me that for a few months she's been seeing creatures in the mist. And has been seeing things that other others can't. Tells me she's worried she's gained the attention of some unsavory creatures and they took her parents. Note says that I'm not alone. She gets it. She has powers too, but... She cannot get her parents out of whatever evil nest they fell into alone. She needs a hero to help her. I was ready to throw in the towel, though. I knew I was no hero. That's when I felt a lurch, and again, the one-armed Viking was standing in front of me, on his cloud, his eyes burning into mine. This time he spoke. He asked me if I feel guilty. I tell him yes. He asked me if I ever want to fight to hurt something again just for sport. And I tell him no. He asked me if I would save an innocent even at my own peril. And I tell him yes. Then he says, hello, my name is Tyr. I'm no great hero either, but I'm a god of war and justice and sacrifice. He tells me that he's chosen me as a vessel. And he hasn't quit on me yet. Tells me as long as I do him proud, all of his powers can be mine. And he also tells me he knows that I didn't lie about any of those questions that he asked. So here I sit, in my bitter-smelling office, trying to decide if I'm a good enough man to be a hero. Well, I guess I don't have much choice. I'll just have to be good enough for now. That is the end of my fourth section. Okay. Do you have any explanation for it? Like, I get it, but do you have anything to say about it? I mean, it kind of speaks for itself. That's fairly explanatory. I just didn't want to, like, like, say my stuff and then you'd be like, well, actually, it means this. I'm like, oh. No, no, no. So, Tyr is a Norse god. Yeah, and um, he's the god that the guy is connected to, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Um, that's, like, kind of where he derives his powers? Yeah, so Tyr is very vague in Norse mythology and that he's just not, he's not, like, Loki. You know, he's not one that's often discussed. Not not a Thor, not a Loki, not an Odin. Yeah, but basically what he did was got his arm bit off by Fenrir so they could capture him. Aww. And that's it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's the story of the great tear. Got his yeah. arm bit off by They're like, giant hey, wolf. we need a guy to get his arm bit off, and he's like, Gotcha. <laughs> so that's kinda that was kind of my inspiration though for this character. It's just like a perpetual because like when I think about the genre of like detective fiction what i like in it is that the characters are always just so beat up through the whole movie you know they're always like limping from clue to clue to clue and falling apart slowly as they go through a case so i that's kind of was why i picked that deity is that i wanted that to be built into the character and then the only other thing about tear is that he is a god of justice which is why like um perfect for a detective 
Well, perfect for a detective, and it's why like looking him in the eye is a thing. And uh, detective kind of reminds can... me of the penance stare from Ghost Rider. It, it was it, that was a little bit of the inspiration. It doesn't okay. hurt anybody. It's just difficult to lie to him if like eye contact is happening. Um, so that's kind of where that came from. But I I liked being able to play with Tyr because it was a god that was so poorly defined that there's just like these few little things. Yeah, you can like, kind of well, fill in the blinks. Yeah, yourself. I can extrapolate this all myself. So that's kind of what I went with. Huh. But yeah, that yeah. is my world. Um, and this is my last part of Adrani Selfie's Depression Quest. Or Selfie's World, as it should be called. <laughs> so first part comes from Dr. Mahato Tachkoma. It's been a few years since the start. So I st- wanted to do this with an accent, by the way. So that's why it kind of keeps fading in and out. But when I first started reading, I realized I wasn't doing the accent at all, like halfway through. So I just dropped it. But then I tried to bring it back and then it fell out again. And so that's why it starts every section with like an accent. It just, it falls right off. So it's been a few years since the project started, but I was still saddened to hear the news. Adrani Selfie's body died. It wasn't the end for her, as we had already transferred her mind completely into the virtual reality. There, she will exist for eternity. But when I went to check on her, I found her closed off in a giant egg on top of her Mount Mahato. I wanted to talk to her and tell her the sad news, but I was afraid that this would drive her further away. I waited some time outside her egg until I finally had the courage to knock on the brittle shell. It cracked and opened to reveal a crying selfie. She had already felt what I was going to tell her, but instead of driving her away, her reaction surprised me. Also, the egg on top of the mountain, I totally stole from Link's Awakening, by the oh, way. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. I 100% just stole that from Link's Awakening. <laughs> it's like, oh, egg on top of a mountain, like a giant egg on top of the mountain is totally a cool image. Taking it! <laughs> <laughs> Deleting this so no one will know! <laughs> Adrani Selfie. Dr. Mahato came to confirm what I already felt inside. On the outside, I was dead. But in here, I would remain alive as long as I wanted. Part of me was saddened, but I no longer had too much of an attachment to the outside world. He was concerned that I had shut myself off from my own world. I told him that I felt this world I created did not need me. That I was the result of a creator abandoned by her own creation. He then asked me if I was happy with what I built, or did I want to erase it and start over? This didn't have to be all. I could shape anything I wanted. I could make my creations care or treat me like a queen. This reality didn't have to work this way. So I turned and looked out to my world. (laughs) I couldn't help but laugh. It was so weird and surreal with flying dogs and garish colors, but it was exactly what I wanted. When I looked out, all I saw was beauty. There were all sorts of things that made me happy in this world, even though I myself did not truly feel happy all of the time. But did I need to be happy all the time? I was happy with my friend, happy with my family, and even happy with my enemy. There of course would always be times of sadness and times of emptiness, but I could always find the happiness that existed around me. This world was my creation. Each part of this world was a different part of me. Separately, not one thing would be able to understand me, but as a whole, I could be understood through this world. I thanked Dr. Tachikoma for giving me the second chance to live, and I traveled back down to my world to spend my life with the imperfections that I had made amongst the surreal perfection. The world had moved on, but they had never forgotten me. Each community welcomed me with open arms. I spent plenty of time with my friends, wrangling dogs, laughing and telling jokes. I went back to the families and played with the neighbor kids and shared stories. And I spent time with my rivals debating many topics. Each community had something for me, and I felt welcomed amongst the three. They weren't made to be perfect, as I was not perfect, but together we had happy moments. And sad moments, but all moments to cherish nonetheless. Years have passed with me jumping between the three. Now every year, all three communities get together to share time with one another and celebrate this world. We pick flowers, host parades, and enjoy each other's company. In those moments, I feel understood. And in those moments, I am happy. And that is my world. 
I I like it. Ah, that was yeah no that was straight from the heart for anybody who wants to know. That's directly that is directly from the heart of Jordan. Jordan's depression quest. <laughs> well, and I like that. Um, I like the desire to, or like i like the need to be around other people like yeah. community being a part of it i think is really good yeah because you um, love community <laughs> well i do I, I think it's important i think it's something that's often overlooked so i i like when it's and i think especially with me and with my own feelings of whatever you want to call it um that i definitely have had the moments where i've wanted to shut myself off and cut myself off away from other people thinking that they wouldn't understand me or thinking that like i could not be understood by other people and that's kind of what this character did and then realizing that maybe you can't be understood maybe not one thing is going to be able to understand everything about you so accepting that and then taking it where you can finding the happiness throughout the little bits of happiness that build up to make a whole and yeah there's just a lot of things that i've been thinking and feeling recently so i wanted to kind of it was cathartic to write something about it yeah no i i i can i can see that i really agree and i think that comes through with the world it was very very well done thank you thank you that that means a lot because like i said this was directly heart on a page well and and like I said, I think it's better for that. Like at some point, the point of this stuff, like I don't think it's possible to write not autobiographically a little bit. Like everything yeah. you write reveals something about you. So being intentional about that and writing about something that's important to you, I think is only beneficial for your writing, even if it's like more worrisome, but it being more worrisome is why it's good. You know yeah. what I mean? And like I said, it's incredibly like vulnerable like it kind of like scares me a little bit to put this episode out this coming week but oh well and i mean it's also fiction so take everything with a grain of salt this isn't my real life screw all of you <laughs> no, but this it, it is scary to like share these feelings it's to avoid that i don't know who necessarily listens to this but yeah it's just yeah right well but that's, it's also, that's... also like i said very cathartic to do so yeah yeah and i mean i think it's always going to be that when we write about stuff that's important to us the episodes will be more meaningful yeah but i also think that like what you had to say on the subject at least like from a personal sense for you i think is like well thought out and a good response to like feelings of depression yeah like not hiding yourself away and asking other people not even necessarily asking other people for help but just being around other people yeah you know, and sometimes people aren't going to understand, but that doesn't mean they don't care about you. And that's something that right. I had to figure out in actuality. So, yeah, no, and I, I think that's all like very good. I think that was well illustrated by the story. Well, thank you. Like I said, this, yeah. Um. Anyway, so now after all the serious stuff, we get to announce. So, I mean, this episode will definitely come out either the day before or the day of the live show. But next Thursday, October 24th, we are doing World Shop Live 3. World Shop Presents, not another live show. And that will, our topic for next week will be vampires, quote unquote, sexy or otherwise. So, it's just in time for Halloween, and it's also a huge celebration <laughs> of our hitting 70 episodes, which is crazy to me that this show has lasted 70 episodes. Actually, like, with bonus and everything else, there's, there's 80 episodes. episodes out. We've done a lot of worlds. Yeah, we've done 80, 80 episodes of us <laughs> on this show. And honestly, I'm ready to do so many more. So, next live show is definitely going to hit it off for like another 30 until we're on to a hundred and we'll definitely be doing other like pop-up live shows along the way but um definitely tune in that it's going to be on twitch.tv forward slash roll shop podcast i will post a link in the description and i will also be tweeting about this and posting this on every social media i am a part of um so yeah we i'm sorry Cody, but we're not going to be rolling for next week because we already together decided what the world would be and by together decided, I said, hey, you want to do, like, vampires? Yes! Okay, sounds good. <laughs> that was the... <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the funny thing where you thought that I might not immediately pick sexy vampires. 
It's like, yeah, it's like, I want to do like something, it's going to be Halloween, so I want to do something more like supernatural theme. So like, do you want to do like vampires? Yes. Okay. It's like, I literally thought it was going to be a conversation. It was just me suggesting the idea and you just agreeing. And I really, I liked how easy that it is sometimes to do the show with you. I just don't know why I would pick anything else. Like, I can't think of a single reason. Yeah. So I'm excited because I've already written my world, so I already know exactly what I'm going to be doing. Yeah, I'm like I said. Oh yeah, next week I'm going to be busy. I'm going to be seeing Taking Back Sunday probably twice. <laughs> that is exciting. I'm jealous because I do like Taking. Oh Back Oh my Sunday. gosh, it's the it was my like spirit songs of um high school. It like spoke to my soul. But um, I I understand. Anyways, we're closing out. Cody, what do you got to plug? Check us out at the Wandering Gamer Network. We're playing uh, City of Mist. Outlaws oh, wow. Wanted, which is a homebrew based on Powered by the Apocalypse. And we're going to be starting a new City of Mist campaign that Zach is running. I'm really excited for it. And that is what this world shot for me was about. I am very excited My to hear it because now I know Detective all about Tanner. your character. I'm very, very excited to yeah. hear it because I know, I know your story now. Um... We'll see how much of that actually comes through. As usual, you can check me out at something I guess zero zero at twitch.tv. And I quote, I stream sometimes because because of how busy I've been, my streaming schedule has been extremely sporadic. So I can't really tell you I don't have a set time anymore. I wanted to do something for Halloween, but I just haven't been able to. But I will hopefully be getting back to that like closer to the end of the year. Um other than that, yeah, I, I also working on other another podcast, which will hopefully be coming out before the end of the year. But um, life, life is hard sometimes. <laughs> Anywho, that I understand. Oh my gosh, we're all of us are so busy. <laughs> Anyways, thank y'all for listening. We will catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye. Flip side or die. <laughs>